the beauty inspires beauty podcast i'm your host jessica bergio and on this show we not only pick our nose when you're not watching we say fuck a lot so i have the special honor of bringing you someone who is going to talk to us about personal finance and kind of taking the stigma away that some people have it figured out and the rest of us don't and that was something we were just diving into jeremy welcome to the show thank you for having me jessica it's an honor to be here you know what? It's it's an honor to talk to you because I just have to, I always want to give, I know people don't need it, but I always want to give permission to people to like make those relationships, to ask the question of somebody who might, you might think is out of your range to chat with or talk to or have a connection with, like you weren't too good or too big or too far in your path to say yes to coming onto a podcast, to share your knowledge with my people. And I, for that, like that humbleness, I appreciate that more than like, you'll ever understand. Well, thanks for even considering the fact that I might be too big, uh, that doesn't occur to me. No, I mean, I do this because I love it. Like I was telling you right before we started recording, this is just like my hobby and my passion. And um, I think that, you know, in this world, almost all of us suck with money and um, it's it's like a stigma. Like it's like our all of our little secrets shame. And so like anything I can do to like um, try to push society a little bit in a more accepting and more financially literate direction, I, I love to do. Amen. And, you know, I you guys don't hold me accountable for this, but it is true in my, uh, most of my surrounding people that myself included, it wasn't that we couldn't make money. It was that we didn't know what to do with our money. Therefore I was like, yo, I have it. I'm going to spend it. Cause that seems like what you do when you have money. And there were so many mistakes I made over the years um, that I look back that I'm like, Ugh, if I hadn't done that, that, and that I'd be so much further along in, you know, early retirement, maybe I would have invested or done the thing. So I'm going to tell you who Jeremy is real quick. So you guys get a little backstory and then we'll dive into ways that he can help us bust out of that stigma, make some changes and kind of learn the land language around what it means to truly like start investing in yourself. So Jeremy is an uber successful entrepreneur and per personal finance expert after starting an internet company in college. We got to talk about more on that later. He sold it at the age of 34 for over 5 million and retired at age 36. I mean, I'm going to be 41 next month, but that's okay. Jeremy has dedicated his life to teaching personal finance, which is why I brought him on the show today. He founded Personal Finance Club, which is a community of champions of the individual investor who help further financial education. And yes, he has a course. And yes, you could DM him. And yes, he'll write you back all the things, which is amazing. But I wanted to have him on the show because I think for the longest time, like I said, there was a stigma in my industry, in the creative industry, that we were the ones who didn't know how to like be financially responsible. Um, that's a personal story that I made up for myself so that I could feel better about spending the money I made the same day I made it. But, you know, looking back, what were some of the things or some of the things you see with your clients or people that you've worked with that they just didn't know what they didn't know? And so that's why they're in the situation they're in. Yeah, well, I think that feeling that you have that, you know, it's your secret shame is like shared by so many. There's like one study that asked, like, would you rather like on a first date discuss like your debt or discuss your like STD history or something like that. Like what are the, like the other most embarrassing thing was like people like overwhelmingly would not want to discuss their debt just because I think everyone feels that. And, and in fact, there's entire like, you know, and so you're like in the beauty space, but there's entire ecosystems of 
financial literacy helpers in like the medical space who try to help doctors because these people who like achieved like high levels in traditional education in like high school, college, post doc and everything. Like they also, like it's their secret shame too. They're like, oh, I should know this stuff. Like I like, you know, society has told me that I'm winning with money, but like, I'm not cause I spend it all or whatever. Um, so yeah, first, like, you know, you're definitely not alone. In fact, like I would say, if you walk down, ask, ask a hundred people, just some basic financial literacy stuff, like 97 of them will have no idea. Um, and so like to answer your question, I'd say like, I have, I have these two rules for building wealth because the, the, the investing and the personal finance space is so scary. And it like evokes these ideas of like, you know, wall street day traders, like frantically waving pieces of paper and shouting buy and sell and like crypto and oil futures and pork bellies and like all this crazy stuff. But building wealth really comes down to exactly two things. Rule number one is to live below your means. So however much money you make, you have to spend less than that. If you make half a million dollars a year and you spend half a million dollars a year, you're broke. You're a broke person. You have zero. That's 500,000 minus 500,000 equals zero. And what you said earlier, that's you said you looked at money as something to spend. That's so common in our society, right? Like you get a windfall, you like you get ten thousand dollars, and like the broke mentality. And I don't mean to like be, say this negatively, just as a contrast to like the wealth building mentality. But the broke mentality is just to like chop it all up and decide how you're going to spend it all. Going to spend it on a car, buy a new phone, go on vacation. Just like you, that's how people normally think. Because normally in pop culture, we just see car ads and vacation ads and spend, 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 spend. So you see money as something to spend. The wealth mentality is looking at money as something to grow. You know, money is this tool that when put into an asset can multiply in value. And so, you know, a wealthy person, when they get $10,000, they say, how can I make this 20,000, then 40, then 80, then 160? And you only have to double it a few times before you start talking about really big money. So that's rule number one is to live below your means. And rule number two is invest early and often. So for example, if you save $500 a month, which is a great savings rate, you know, you know, it depends on what you're spending, of course, but if you, if you save $500 a month and you do that for 40 years and you put it under your mattress, you would end up with $240,000, which is a ton of money. Don't get me wrong. I like a quarter of a million bucks as much as the next person, but that ain't enough to like retire on. You know, if you're spending 50,000 a year, you're going to last about five years, a little bit less. And it's certainly not enough to retire early. You know, you're turning 41 next month. You said happy birthday soon to be. I turned 41 two months ago. So we, maybe we knew each other in high school. I don't know. We probably went, we lived in different States. Um, so, but yeah, so you only have $240,000. If you were to invest that. So if you invested that in the stock market over the last 40 years, you know, at a 10% rate of return, you would end up with not $240,000, but actually $2.9 million. So about 11 times more money. And even, and, and I, I skipped a step there. If you put it into a savings account, like a high yield savings account, and it's like kind of like my personal pet peeve about the money space. People always talk about this high yield savings account, a high yield savings account getting, I think it's like a two or 3% rate of return, which is way more than you can get today over that same 40 years you would end up with like 360,000. So like 240 to 360, it's like, it's almost like irrelevant. Like it's not enough to like retire. So like saving is enough. You have to invest. And so you end up with 2.9 million. And in fact, if you did that for the last 40 years, you would end up with 2.9 million, you'd end up with like 4.3 million because we've had like a pretty good 40 years. But any 40 year period in history of the market, when you're investing, you're going to get about a 10% rate of return and end up being a multimillionaire. So there you go. That's really what building wealth is about. 
spend less than you make, invest early and often. We can dive into the details if you want. I would love that. Yes, we will dive into that because what I love about your page too, and how I kind of like knew I wanted to have you on is you showed those differences with like cartoon characters or with Bob and John, like all the people. And I was like, Oh, I get it. Like, it's so clear because I wasn't taught all those things growing up. In fact, I was almost taught the opposite because my mom had like a terrible experience with the stock market. She had a terrible experience with something else with investing. And so she went down a different path and went into like real estate and investing in that. And that that's in its own right can be highly successful for people who are willing to do that type of, totally. but that's a lot of work also. And so there's so much that you have to manage and pay attention to. And like, there's depreciation where in the stock market, it's simple. You invest your money. Yes. You can have some shitty years, but the long game, like you stay in, you stay consistent, you keep investing. And yeah, in 40 years, you're going to come out better than you started with or better than putting it under the mattress or in a crappy savings account. So I think there's so much that we don't know that we don't know. And like you said, we a lot of times think it's the guy holding the thing or you have to already have so much money to start investing at a good level. And can you just walk us through where, because I, I know personally so many people that haven't even started investing in their retirement, don't even have a plan for it because they're waiting to get out of debt to do that. So what is your thought process on having a little bit of debt or maybe having major debt if people do and investing at the same time for your retirement? Like which goes first? Cause you told us the two rules, but if they've already done, they've already <laughs> fucked up rule number one and clearly are in debt now. Cause it means they probably spent more than they had clearly. Right. Where did, yeah. Where do they take the next step or how do they get themselves from one to the other? So, you know, this is a place where altruistic, wise, experienced minds can disagree. The The place I stand is I think that in order to get to rule number two, you kind of have to finish rule number one first. And if you have what I would say non-mortgage debt, if you have debt that's not in the house that you live in or in you know real estate, um, you should pay it off first. And it sucks. Like, you know, we can get into a whole political conversation about how we're like, you know, dumping tens or thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt on 17 year olds who have no idea what they're doing. And then like, you know, then tell them good luck for the rest of their life. It sucks, but that's the world we live in. And so, um, so if you have debt, you know, the, the plan is just to like, what I say, go ham on that debt, you know, figure out a budget, start living way below your means, take huge chunks. And when you get super, super hyper-focused and you start making big chunky payments on that debt, what I see is people who start that it starts to accelerate because then when they do that, they see progress. They start when they want to go faster. Also, when they get focused, their income usually increases. And so they might say, oh, I've got, you know, let's say I have $36,000 in debt. You're like, how am I ever going to get through that? Like, well, if you can do $1,000 a month for three years, then you have zero debt. Then if you can invest that $1,000 a month for the next, you know, 20 or 30 years, then you'll be a multimillionaire. But if you let that $36,000 of debt hang around, you keep going on like the next nicer trip or upgrading to the next newer car, then all of a sudden you're like 20 years down the road, you know, add, you know, we're almost exactly the same age. Like if we're at this point, you know, I still think that we're very young and we have 40, 50 years of life to live, hopefully. But if we're 60 and we're starting then, then like the math gets like dramatically worse. And so you don't want to like let that hang around for a long time. I say just go absolutely hammer that debt, get your get your income up, get your expenses down, and that with that delta, just plow it into that debt. If you can get debt free, then your income is unencumbered. You like you're you're free, you're it's like clear, it's like your house is clean, your bed is made, then you can start going and investing. I love that advice because I have heard it both ways. Um, 
And so again, like this is all your own journey. If you guys are listening, like you got to do what feels right for you. But at the end of the day, if you can pocket, take that money out of what you're spending and put it towards your debt and then continue to use that same chunk to then invest. It's like, it, you never miss it. And it's like, what would your future self thank you for? I wish somebody would have taught me to do now what my future self would like be proud of me for and thank me for and like teach me to like watch the tree of money grow versus like what's the next thing I can buy and I know when you're young you feel like your flashy things make you cool and it's like that's you got to keep up with the people but um I think when when you're shown the light like the older I get the less shit I feel like I need and so it's like I wish I could I could have felt like this when I was in my 20s but if you grew up and you didn't have money and then money started to come into you, like, and you weren't taught how to like make your money, make money, that's where so many people struggle. So w- with your course, like, who is it for? Like, I know we weren't going to chat too much about it, but I feel like there's, a, like you said, people don't want to talk about it. So if they're like afraid to like message you, if they're afraid to admit and start talking about it with their people, can they jump into this course and get a little bit more clarity on like where to start and what to do? Sure. So yeah, for the record, you know, I could, I'm kind of swimming with sharks in this space I'm in because there's like a lot of like people who maybe don't have the best uh, integrity who are trying to like sell a course. And so when I say I have a course, I kind of like cringe when I even hear myself say it. And so for the record, there's no secrets in, in, in my course. It's the exact same thing you'll find on my Instagram. I have like a reading list on my website. It's just, it's the basics of investing. And also it doesn't talk about um, it talks all about rule number two, which is investing. And so if you're in debt, it doesn't talk about debt and it, you know, it doesn't talk about, about budgeting. It doesn't talk about credit. And so there's all sorts of stuff in the personal finance space. You know, the thing that I do have that people often are the most confused on is basically like, how do I start investing? So like, let's say, let's say you, in that example, we talked about, you've got that $36,000 in debt for the next three years, you just go ham, you pay it off. Maybe you get a raise for 500 bucks a month. Or you start bringing in more income or whatever it is. Uh, maybe you get get done with it two and a half years or two years, whatever it is, then you can take that thousand, maybe now 1500 bucks a month and start investing. And the course basically just walks you through, like, you don't even know what investing, what that word means, like why you do it, how you do it, like which, like which stocks to buy, which is all of them, by the way, um, you know, which accounts to open the tax implications, Roth IRA, like all this stuff that we hear about that it's like so super confusing. It just walks through it with like lots of those like emoji examples and actual live demos of like me clicking through like and buying stocks and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's no, it's not get rich quick. I'm not going to tell you which are good stocks, which are bad stocks, because I think that's nonsense. People who are selling that are basically trying to trick you in my opinion. Um, the, the best way to invest is to do what's called buying an index fund, which is just a big bucket of every single stock in the stock market. And when you buy all the stocks in the stock market, as silly as it sounds at first glance, what you're actually doing is guaranteeing yourself your fair share of all market growth. So an Apple and Amazon and ExxonMobil and Walmart and all the other thousands of companies that are out there growing and profiting and innovating and hiring as they go up in value and pay out profits to their owners, you collect all that in your index fund. So just by buying and holding that over long periods of time, that's how you get that compound growth, which turns in, my, in our example from earlier, your 500 bucks a month into millions of dollars a year or millions of dollars, you know, years down the road. That's amazing. I feel like the simplicity of knowing something will make you want to go for it even more. And it's like, when you take the scary out of it, like some people are in that like scarcity mindset of like, Oh, I'm always going to be in debt. What's the point? I'll never be able to invest, but like 
if you now know the little, again, it's not a secret. It's right there in the book. You can go read it and find it. You can get all of this information on his page, which like everything gives you so much clarity with, I love the graphics. Like I'm just, I guess I'm a kindergartner at heart, but like, it like speaks to me because it makes sense. Like I'm such a visual person. If you throw a bunch of words and numbers, I'm like, Meh. but yeah. like the, the actual examples of like, if you do your, this with your money versus this versus this, it's like, duh, I want to do this one. So, um, it, it's so good to simplify things to make them so much less scary. But if you know where to put the money, you're going to be more inclined to like pay that debt off. And, and that's where I was a few years ago. And that feels so good to like watch that all go down to zero and to now be able to throw $500 here and $500 there. And when I get a good chunk in there, I, I take part of it. It goes over there. It's like, it never happens like Vegas money, right? Like when you come into like a little bit of extra, yeah. um, and it, it, like literally nothing feels better than knowing like I'm planning for my future retirement to like, totally. it is like a huge weight off my shoulders. And, um, you know, I feel like at times when, when we have clarity around something, like I said earlier, it makes it so much less scary. So like, thank you for simplifying things the way that you do and not making it like I have the secret sauce, do it this way and you will win. Like, it's like, no, here are the two rules. If you can stick to these two rules and these two rules only, like you will have success. Totally. And if you don't do those rules, you stay broke, you know, and, and even if you're not perfect, you know, sometimes I think people are afraid of like, you know, perfect being the enemy of good. You're like, oh, there's like so much out there. And I was telling you, talking to you before you recording, I'm like, I have an employee who is a certified financial analyst. And like, you know, I've been doing this for years. We're both could probably be considered experts. And sometimes we're like trying to get into the nitty gritties of like some little thing. And, and, you know, we'll call Vanguard and we're like, we're, we're like doing research because it's literally our job. And still we don't really fully grasp, like we're not in the grasp, but just like, it's hard because like there's so much complexity in the world. And so, you know, don't let being a perfect invest, like the, the fear of being, not being a perfect investor, start, stop you from getting started. Right. Um, because I think that is, is like, what is the worst thing to just have that analysis process cost you another 10 years. And with what you said earlier about having, you know, not really knowing what to do with your money. And when, you know, it, it, it encourages more, um, I would encourage you to go to a, um, like a retirement or an investment growth calculator online. I have one on my website. It's free to use, of course, and you can put in your age, like how much money you're investing, how much you currently have. And then it kind of projects out for you. And it's like really empowering to see, like if I, if I could put away another hundred dollars, another $200 a month, it could mean hundreds of thousands of dollars down the road, or it could mean retiring five years earlier. And you know, it's, it's all, it all feels very abstract. Like if you don't really have a plan and all these numbers are floating around your head, but if you're like, Oh shoot, if I can just start like regularly just putting money away, that could that could buy me 10 years of my life back. Right. And I definitely know people who are 65, which is retirement age and they don't have any money and they message me and say, what do I do now? What's the secret. And, and the answer is like, it, there's no secrets. Like it's, it's bad. You know, it's like there's social security, which will pay you maybe 1500 bucks a month or something. So hopefully you won't like starve to death, but it's like not very fun. Certainly like, you know, probably going to work until you die. If you want to like maintain any sort of like standard of living, definitely not retiring early. But if when you're younger, you're putting money away, it can, you can buy your years of your life back. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to not have an, an end goal with the, with the business I'm doing. And that's one of the things I talk so much with my coaching clients about is like, they, we talk about pricing. We talk about hours worked in the salon. We talk about like lifestyle balance, burnout, like all of those kinds of things. And 
you know, when you ask people what their five-year goal is or their vision or their like retirement goal, or what's your end game with this industry? Like people don't have an answer because they don't, they don't, they don't know. And so if the minimum thing that you guys take out of this podcast episode is to go to that calculator that's on his website and put in what's going on personally, like I'm sure nobody can see it. And then that'll give you a hard number um, of what you need to be putting away every month in order to get to that place. Because you got to think about inflation in another 30, 40 years, like things are going to exponentially get more expensive and overhead's going to be even more. So, you know, we got to account. What is, what would you say inflation is every year? I'm sure you know the percentage. Yeah. Historically it's been two to 3% per year. And so, um, and, and the market has gone up around 10% per year. Okay. And so you can actually like subtract inflation from the growth of your investments to get inflation adjusted projections. So for example, if you use 7%, then all those future numbers, you can look at them as though they were spendable today. Um, you know, so if you end up, you know, if you project you'll have a million dollars, then you could, that would be like, you could spend it today with a 7% rate of return. You know, in this moment, we're, we're recording this in early 2022. Inflation is getting a lot of headlines because it hit like 7%. Although I, I personally think that's like a little bit exaggerated because a year earlier we had deflation during 2020 um when you know the entire world hit the like the economic breaks and and everyone was like hoarding money and suddenly things were costing less because businesses and so then there's kind of this like you know like pendulum effect where it swung the other way you know that said i i, I can't tell the future i never really want to speculate but i doubt we're going to see seven percent for many many years to come and the fed's already making moves but whatever but it is a real concern right so but the worst thing to do with inflation is to not be invested right because if you if you're if your money's in cash then you're losing seven percent you know per year if it stays that high right so you you want to have it be in um, you know, people say, what should I do during inflation? And the answer is like the exact same thing you do during non-inflation, which is put your money into assets that go up in value and provide income, things like the stock market and real estate. Stick to rule number one and yeah. rule number two. Yeah. That's what you do. Real, yeah. Whether the world is shutting down or everybody is thriving, like stick to those two rules. I love that. Um, okay. So I have a side question because I am in the world of like all of my business coach friends and there's a lot of finance people in that world that have been talking about all of the stuff that's online, the meta, the crypto, the blah, blah, blah. That sounds like a foreign language, even more so than index funds, right? Index funds sound simple. I understand it. You make the bucket reference. I get it. The, what I don't get is all this new shit. Like how would someone who doesn't speak that language understand that world? Do you just stick with rule number one and number two, or do we like let ourselves go and learn some new things over that way. What's your personal opinion? So right. I have a, I have a, I mean, this isn't one of my two rules, but I have a 90, 10 rule. And so maybe it's a 90, 10 guideline. I don't know. Maybe I should reuse that word rule, but I'd say with 90% of your portfolio, you buy and hold index funds. Um, you know, you're buying the world's companies. They're companies that are working on the metaverse. They're companies that are working on crypto. By buying those companies, you're going to benefit from the growth of those technologies. Um, and then with the other 10% of your portfolio, go nuts. Do whatever you want, you know? And so, um, and, and the reason that I like this 10% go nuts portion is because one, I think it's like a release valve on this FOMO that kind of you're alluding to, which is like, oh man, this guy, I heard about this guy who hit it big with GameStop or with crypto or whatever. And so 
with 10% go nuts, but, um, and, and, and maybe you're a brilliant trader and you have this visionary, uh, ability that no one else has that you can pick out the next GameStop or, you know, Dogecoin or whatever. Um, uh, and your 10% is going to be like your lotto ticket, which would be great. And sometimes that happens because people get lucky. And I personally believe it's more randomness than, you know, you know reliable speculative ability. Um, but if you don't have that brilliant luck or genius and your 10% gets cut in half or worse, then your 90% is still there. It's going to make you wealthy over time. Um, so as I said, and, you know, with regards to like, is crypto a good thing, which is a question I get asked a lot, you know, I, like I look for exactly two things in my investments, things that are likely to go up in value in the future and things that provide income along the way. And so, for example, if I buy the house that's next door to my house and I rent it out, um, it's likely to go up in value. Houses have gone up in value for hundreds of years and not making more real estate, they're at least going to keep place and keep pace with inflation. And that renter is going to pay me money. And so when you buy and hold things that, that follow those two rules that they like appreciate and provide income, you're going to be building wealth. Crypto is it likely to go up in the future? I think there's an argument to say, yes, you know, they're not, you know, for Bitcoin, for example, there's a limit to how much they can create. Um, you know, maybe people are going to pay more for it in the future. Likely, maybe. Does it provide income? No, it's just a bunch of ones and zeros that you're speculatively hoping someone pays more for you. And so that doesn't meet my criteria. That said, like I, I put like, you know, 0.1% of my portfolio is in crypto just because who knows? Like maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm missing something. So, you know, that's part of my 10% or whatever. Um, but in general, like if I if I were to bet people who are like trading crypto or people who are like acquiring real estate and index funds over who's going to look better in 20 years. I am going with the, uh, the people who are like, you know, building real wealth. Well, that answers that question. I think until you've got the first, the first two in momentum, then you can worry about the next things. But I feel like, yeah, that's one of the things that people are so quick to do the latest and greatest and like, just go all in on it. And I've heard so many young people talking about it. And I'm just like, that shit scares me because I don't know anything about that. So it's just one of those things that like stick to what you know will work for you. And right. then there's so many simple things like those index funds and just A, paying off the debt and B, sticking to things that are going to appreciate. Um, totally. Guarantee- and because everyone, everyone wants to get rich quick. It's like same like buying a lotto ticket, you know, and, and it's, it's really similar to buying a lotto ticket because you heard of someone who got rich doing it, but like that doesn't make it a good idea, right? And, and you're right. It is kind of like, in the the pyramid of financial wellness there's like setting a budget living below your means and then there's like you know getting your general finances in order and and getting your savings accounts and then starting to like build wealth by buying investments and, and as you go up and like at the very top like the maybe a little cherry on top like yeah go speculate on some crypto but i think people who are they don't really see it that way they see speculate on crypto as equal to gambling on stocks or something and so they just want to like skip that stuff when it's really a very reckless thing to do. Yeah. Generally skipping steps is going to have you on a very shaky foundation. Do not skip steps. I learned that shit the hard way too. Um, right. Jeremy, this has been awesome. I've learned a lot and I feel like you've given us like simple tools to go out and feel empowered to like take responsibility, whether you guys are still in a little bit of debt, a lot of debt, or if you're just looking to like start investing in, in your future. Um, hopefully it's not too late to start and hopefully you can go get some real clarity with the calculator that he has on the website. And if you're so inclined, jump in, do the course, see if it helps you. Um, because anything that you can learn in this, in this field, in this realm will help you further along savings and really building true wealth. Because I think until you 
until you see, start to see some progress, like we thrive with progress. Like, like progress is like the motivator for most people in all aspects. Um, that, that, I mean, nothing feels better than that. So take responsibility, whatever you guys are at today in your career and your business. Um, and, I, and I highly urge you, if it's not Jeremy, find somebody that you resonate with, find somebody that can help you really wrap your head around what this looks like. Stop acting like it's not a big deal and really focus on that because as an industry too, like the more that we up level and the more that we start to like expand our experience with our clients and give luxury services and charging these high tickets, like you need to, you need to be putting that somewhere. And so that's really investing in your future. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, Jeremy. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me, Jessica. It was an honor. Yes. Can you give anybody some takeaways? I know um, you've had early success in your life, but I'm sure there's mentors or there's a podcast or books, or um, you reference something about having a book list. Oh, look at the buddy in the back, a book list on your website. Do you have um, a list of your favorite books that you love that could help people get inspired or motivated or people that you listen to that keep you motivated? Yeah. Um, you know, if everybody read three books on personal finance and investing, I would just close up shop and go home because, you know, the books all say the same thing. They say spend less than you make, invest, buy and hold index funds. It's all the same thing. Um, one of my favorites is called The Simple Path to Wealth by JL Collins. He just has like a really like stable, calm way. And actually I kind of read this book later in my own investing journey. And when I read it, I was like, oh man, this is, this is the book that I maybe could have or should have written. Um, but yeah, it's a great book. It's on my, it's on my reading list on my website, which is at personalfinanceclub.com. You can also find the calculator there. Um, yeah, but I mean, there are so many, yeah, go check the reading list. I guess I was going to say read any book, but there's probably some bad books out there who are trying to sell you like insurance or, you know, day trading schemes or something like that. Um, stick to the, stick to the classics, I'd say. Perfect. Thank you. I appreciate that. So the simple path to wealth, that, that sounds like a simple book for us to wrap around. Another good one, actually. So simple path to wealth is a great book for rule number two. Okay. I should have gone in order. A great book for rule number one, if you're working on getting out of debt, living below your means is the millionaire next door. And it based, and it's like, it was, I think back in the nineties, it's like classic. There's like an updated version that was uh, recently when went, went out and it basically is like, just destroys all the myths around wealth. Like when you see millionaires, like, or when you hear millionaires, you think about like making it rain at the club and like, you know, infinity pools and BMWs and, but like real millionaires, real rich people aren't spending all their money. Like that's spending isn't wealth. Wealth is what you have left over after the spending. And so it goes, you know, it gives lots of examples, like these two doctors who both have high incomes and, but one is like broke, just like spends more than he makes. And people are willing to like loan him money because he's got a high income, but he's just like, and he's like worried and afraid and worried that the market's going to crash and worried about taxes and worried about his kids. And then the other doctor spends half of what he makes. He still is able to spend a lot because he makes a lot. And then he's just like multimillionaire and he drives a used car and he's got a perfectly modest home and he's super happy and comfortable and, and secure and doesn't worry about anything. And um, kind of, and, and I think that's true in real life too. Like when I see like a fancy new leased car driving on the street, it's like, that's almost certainly a broke person. Not always, you know, there are super wealthy people not buying nice cars too, which is fine. Um, but a lot of times it's a broke person. Whereas if I see like a, you know, 2010 Toyota Camry, I was like, all right, that's someone who's like, you know, putting their money other somewhere else other than their car. Yeah, I get that. I feel that. Anybody else feeling called out right now? A little triggered? Did you buy a new car recently? Did you spend your money? Sorry, I know. <laughs> no, it's good. 
And I feel like that's the thing, like we pretend like that's not the truth. And so when you're not honest with yourself and you're not honest with what you're doing with your money, like that's why you're in the situation you're in. So again, I hope this was helpful and eye opening. And I just really love to share people like Jeremy with you guys, because truly like the more that we take the stigma out of these kind of what seems scary, like the easier it is for you to jump in and just like have the confidence to invest and um, be able to set yourself up to win. So thank you so much. And I can't wait to go do the calculator work. I'm like kind of nervous, but excited at the same time. Nice. I think you like it. It's, it's nice. It's nice to see, like, it's empowering to see like the, the actions that you make are going to have this massive magnification impact on your future. Yes. Okay. So if you guys love this episode, please tag us in your repost and let us know what your aha moment was. Or if you were feeling called out, I would message Jeremy privately and let him know, or ask him if you have any questions, if you want to go a little bit deeper into this. And as always, we'd love to in- influence you guys to just like make the next right step to to empower yourself to make the right choices. Um, And we will see you guys on the next one. Take care.